and there shall come a day, a day like no other, the day of the Defenders. Eight years ago, with those words, Roy Thomas, Ross Andrew, and Bill Everett introduced an amazing concept to the comics world. Three of Earth's mightiest beings, the Incredible Hulk, the Savage Submariner, and Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, combined their power to combat Earth unearthly evil as the Defenders. Thus was formed the first superhero non-team, convened at times of great danger, only to part company when the crisis was over. Times changed, and so did the names of those that filled the ranks of this secret group. Nighthawk, Hellcat, Moon Knight, Valkyrie, the Silver Surfer, Power Man, and many more. But now the wheel turns and the old call is heard once again. Stanley presents the return of the original Defenders. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Duncan, and welcome to the 19th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. How's it going this week, Duncan? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'm sorry I wasn't here before. I was really busy deleting all of the other podcasts off of the internet. Uh, so, Car Talk is gone now, and I also got rid of Barbara Streisand's that photo of her house. So, she'll be pretty stoked once we tell her that when we hang out tomorrow. You dastard. I know. <laughs> all right. You can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app, assuming they haven't all been erased by Duncan. <laughs> you can contact the podcast at StrangerByTheDozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at StrangerByThe12, that's StrangerByThe12, on Tumblr at StrangerByTheDozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for StrangerByTheDozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. And if you want to follow along with the podcast this week, the issues covered can all be found in Essential Defenders, Volume 4. So, this is a Defenders-heavy episode, Duncan. It's all Defenders comics. I'm excited. Crazy Defender action. I was just excited when I saw the word Moon Knight, but now I'm, who even cares? We got the OG team back. We, we, missed, we, we missed the Moon Knight episodes a long time ago. That was like when Jack Norris was pursued by life model decoys of Nick Fury, and there were a bunch of robots based on signs of the Zodiac. It was the whole wow, thing was, we didn't cover in the show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been a bit. But. Yeah. But so just so you know, it's been a nine issues, or nine issues of the comics since we last saw the Defenders, when uh, they did Xenogenesis and had a, had a uh, demon invasion story based on Blue Oyster Cult songs. Yeah. Now, and a lot has happened. Yeah, now we're going to get a whole issue about like Led Zeppelin songs and Pink Floyd songs. I don't know if that's true. You can read between the lines. Just like with every Pink Floyd fan. That might be true because the big thing that happened, one of the, the, probably the biggest thing that's happened in these issues is that Valkyrie returned to Valhalla to reclaim her memories and, her full memories and identity as Brunhild, warrior general of the Valkyries. So no more of this like, I'm also Barbara Norris, I've got a split identity and... I'm uh, like occupying her body type stuff. She's Valkyrie all the way. Well, I'm definitely going to be enjoying these episodes for just the fast peeling away from that character storyline as we just, you know, forget it a little bit more every issue. That part of the storyline was ridiculous and ill thought out, if you <laughs> ask me. Yeah, just let the superheroes be superheroes. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now Valkyrie's more just sort of a mythological creature hanging out on Earth, just like like Thor or Hercules or something like that. Yeah. 
Um, the other big thing was that, uh, so like one of Valkyrie's friends from, Valkyrie went to college in a previous episode, issue we didn't cover. Okay. And and made oh, friends with a couple. Co- yeah. And she made friends with a couple college students there, including one of them named Dollar Bill, who's like a, uh, wants to be a movie producer and stuff. I'm so glad that you skipped this. Yeah. So Dollar Bill made a documentary about the Defenders, and in it he said that um, the Defenders are a democratic, open-to-everybody, non-team. So if you're a superhero and you want to join up, come on by. And then he gave the address of like their secret base. That is insane. Now, their secret base isn't just Stephen Strange's house anymore, yeah? No, now it's uh, this writing academy on Long Island. Okay. Well, either way, you... You know, listeners out there may remember that they nuked the entire planet's memory the last time people heard about the Defenders. Yeah, not so much this time. No. They didn't have Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange wasn't part of the team at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's why he's coming back in this issue. He's coming back right. and he's going to hunt down that college kid. Nah. It's, but what did happen was that like maybe like 30 to 40 superheroes showed up on the Defenders' front door. And were like, hey, we'd like to be Defenders. Wow. And it was just, it was just chaos <laughs> and weird. I love this non-scene thing that's going on here. Yeah, and so then the, the, the last big thing that happened, and this is going to tie directly into a bunch of issues this, this, this episode, okay. is the Defenders um, came, fought against this um, vigilante named Lunatic. His name's spelled Lunatic, but with a K. Oh, I gotcha. And, and I'm pronouncing it Lunatic because I don't appreciate uh, fake spellings. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to pronounce it by the way that they like write it down. I'm not going to cut them any slack on that. Yeah, so Lunatic is like, he's basic, He's a vigilante, but like, he'll beat out the same level of superhero justice to a jaywalker as he would to a bank robber, for instance. And he does so while streaming a constant stream of uh, pop culture references, which is just, it's just really annoying. He's a really annoying uh, supervillain. Yeah, no, he sounds like it. Luckily, his hash will soon be settled in the coming issues. Let's get to yes. it. So we start with Defenders 69. From March 1979. Uh, first of all, woo! Second of all, uh, <laughs> this oh, issue is titled <laughs> The Anything Man. Uh, Mary Jo Duffy, writer, Herb Trimby, penciler, John Costanza, letterer, Ben Sean, colorist, Al Milgram, inker editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief slash co-plotter. So, I don't know if you remember this, Duncan. Um, when the Defenders were first founded... They were founded to fight against the scientist Supreme Yandroth, who is yeah. like a uh, a Doctor Strange villain, right. but a super scientist guy. And he made this big supercomputer slash giant robot called the Omegatron that was set to destroy the Earth, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Defenders defeated it the first time by, by... It was like counting down to destruction. And the Defenders didn't know how to defeat it. I was going to ask you Doctor Strange. Well, Doctor Strange just slowed down time so that it was counting down, but each second would take an eon, basically. That's cheating. Why even have a countdown? So they came. So they just decided to deal with it later. But <laughs> then something else happened, and it started to speed up again. And so Valkyrie came by and like cut this, cut the robot's head off and stuff with their magic sword. It was pretty solid. Yeah. But so this issue opens with Doctor Strange and Nighthawk at the remains of the Omegatron which is basically, Strange has hidden it magically, but it's like a big silver robot dude. No, they literally just cut, decapitated Silver Surfer. Yeah, that's just cut to pieces lying on the beach, basically. <laughs> Those madmen, they blew it up. Exactly. So uh, the remains have sort of stayed on the shores of Maine for a long time. But as Doctor Strange and Nighthawk realize, they aren't just lying around. 
they're powered up a little bit with like a needle and a dial and everything. The needle's slightly moving. <laughs> um, presumably, they're, the Omegatron is sending power to some unwitting pawn who in turn will, set, will uh, send additional power back to the Omegatron. And when the Omegatron powers up fully, the world will be destroyed. It's rough. Yeah, that is pretty rough. They should, probably should have taken yeah. care of that a lot sooner. Ah, uh, you know, it's hard for the superhero cleanup. It's the <laughs> you know, it's the '70s. No one thinks about environmental stuff that much. Yeah, uh, though that's changing as we'll see uh, later in the epi- in the in the episode. <laughs> but so yeah, so some unwitting pawn is uh, caught up in Omegatron's scheme from beyond the grave. Smash cut to Dover, Delaware, where an unwitting pawn named Jeff. He's playing tennis with his girlfriend, Hillary. If a gnome shows up, I'm just leaving. Nah. <laughs> no, man. Um, don't you remember yeah, that? He's dead. Oh, the gun got hit with a truck and stuff. Yeah. he's. Don't worry about it. He better be just, like, full dead. <laughs> I can't answer either way. <laughs> but so, 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 so uh, Jeff and Hillary are playing tennis and talking about his recent trip to Maine. And eventually they end up uh, heading back to their job at the, mun- at the municipal animal shelter, only to find it being robbed by no-good crooks after fundraising money at the animal shelter. This is insane. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So Jeff tries to stop him, and it turns out, oh, crap, he's got superpowers, bro. Is this like, <laughs> like X-Men he, style? Because he definitely just gets them out of nowhere. He's powered by the Omegatron. Oh, right. He, right. he flips one guy, like, super strength-wise into, like, some uh, filing cabinets, takes a bullet from a for an, another guy, and then uses ultra speed to to run faster than a speeding car that's about to hit Hillary. Yeah. And he sort of totally just survived the impact and stuff. Meanwhile, as this is happening, the scene's cut to the dial on Omegatron, and it's slowly powering up. Oh, no, it's Uh-oh. 20. <laughs> so, back at the uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, Nighthawk sort of explaining the deal to the rest of the Defenders. And despite the fact that Jeff is Jeff using his superpowers uh, seems to power up the Omegatron. Uh, Doctor Strange guarantees that the that the Hulk will have a fight like when they find him, despite the fact that, that would probably max out Omegatron right away. <laughs> Man, the Hulk's uh, be mad. He's very yeah. litigious. I mean, he's very he just he just wants to punch things, you know. Yeah. When all you have is Hulk hands, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, like the next day, I, I assume, I guess, uh, Jeff is still in like his tennis whites and short shorts and stuff and decides that, hey, I'm a superhero now. I'm going to do I'm going to do superhero stuff. He decided so, his tennis uh, outfit is his superhero costume. I guess it's it's I mean, it's factually correct. It seems like he has. <laughs> but he's reading like the newspaper about him foiling the, the heist of the fundraising money. And he sees that there's a big boat race that same, like that night, or maybe tomorrow, but soon, that there's going to be a big boat race with a cash prize. And so he decides that, hey, the same, that like a bunch of crooks are going to probably steal that, that prize money. Because according to Marvel, I guess, Dover, Delaware is full of both large amounts of like loose cash just for fundraising and prizes things and a bunch of like crooks constantly trying to get it, trying to steal it. Yeah, that's the ebb and flow of the life in that city. I guess so. So that night, still in his tennis clothes. Yep, it's his outfit. Jeff uh, tries to stop the crooks. He absorbs some bullets and then swims at ultra speed to catch and destroy their speedboat when they try to run off. (laughs) It's at the shore by like this flipped speedboat that the defenders finally catch up with Jeff. And they're basically like, 
hey, uh, super sorry, dude, you're going to have to stop being a superhero. I gotta say, he's actually a better superhero than, like, Nighthawk. He's, like, way better at the whole deductive reasoning thing. He's putting Batman to shame. I mean, Nighthawk to shame. <laughs> I mean, plus he actually has powers. <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't know if he's <laughs> but, a superhero outfit. That's right, I said it. Wow, that's... I don't know if I can go with that. Are you kidding me? He's got the... Nighthawk, right now, has, like, these weird wing beak that goes, like, under eyelashes. And yeah. he's got, I want to say, a bird on his chest, but it has... 40 wings. Like 40 it's a stylized seconds. bird, man. It's cool. Uh, not as cool as a you know, generic guy in a tennis player outfit that smells oh, like man. yesterday. Later uh, <laughs> later in this episode when Nighthawk gets his new costume, you're going to go crazy. Okay. <laughs> but you know, Nighthawk, he gets socked in the jaw. Yeah. So uh, Jeff's pretty pissed and is like, hey, like I'm going to stay a superhero. So he starts fighting the defenders. <laughs> Doctor Strange forces, forces Hulk to stand back and not take part in the fight. And Jeff promptly beats the crap out of uh, Hellcat, Valkyrie, and Aragorn the Pegasus. He beats, so, he beats two, Valkyrie with Driftwood, might I add. Yeah. He fences her with Driftwood. It's crazy. Yeah. He's so super yeah. powerful that he powers up a log. He's officially beaten up two ladies and a horse. <laughs> Boo! Boo, I say. Uh, Hulk wants to get in on the fight, and Doctor Strange is like, No, Hulk, you can't do it. And eventually, uh, de-hulking the, um, the, the, the Hulk so that he can't get involved in the conflict, which leads to Jeff just super-poweredly wailing on an unconscious Bruce Banner for, like, five minutes while Nighthawk and Doctor Strange figure out a new plan. <laughs> and it basically ends with Nighthawk leading Jeff on, like, a chase and then letting himself get beat up by Jeff and then being like, look at yourself, Jeff, beating me up. You're everything you hate. <laughs> which... Which seems to work. Yeah, it works surprisingly well. It's his one weakness is guilt. Yeah, self, self-reflection or whatever. <laughs> um, but so Jeff agrees to relinquish the Omegatron power to Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange gets it with a sweet spell. Um, in the name of Dark Satanish, by the mystic moons of Munapur, let Omegatronic power vanish. And you but a man once more. Oh, and leave you but a man once more. I just like that the spell has Omegatronic in it. That's pretty solid. <laughs> but uh, crisis averted. Yeah. You know? Change out of his superhero outfit. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bruce Banner just shows up and is like, hey, what happened, guys? <laughs> why, why does my everything I'm on, hurt? I'm on the beach on the Hulk pants. And I just got the, got the stuff and beat out of me. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. But whatever to Bruce Banner. That's what comics book, comic books say. Pretty much. And we move on to Defenders 70 from April 1979 to Catch a Fallen Lunatic. <laughs> Story by Ed Hannigan, pencils by Herb Trimby, irks by, inks by Mike Esposito, letters by Rick Parker, colors by Bob Sharon, Alan Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So this issue starts with uh, the Defenders splitting up, basically, or just going in two different directions. That's standard Defender-like yeah. sort of protocol. Yeah, you know, not, you, you, you don't want everybody to be in the same place at once. That's no fun. Yeah. Uh, Br- Bruce Banner stays with Doctor Strange at the Sanctum while Hellcat, Valkyrie, and Nighthawk all head back to the Writing Academy. You know, that's been their base for a while. As they arrive, uh, Hellcat, Valkyrie, and Nighthawk, that is, they see a car parked in the driveway it's the feds! Well, the Justice Department, to be precise, they know Nighthawk is actually Kyle Richmond, and they accuse him 
of tax evasion, stock manipulation, fraud, all the white-collar crimes, basically. And while Nighthawk contends that this was all sorted out when Pennyworth was fired for using his money for supervillainy back in Defenders 25, the ones with the super racists. Yep. Um, there's apparently still some big financial irregularities with his uh, money and stuff. <laughs> you can't blame me for all that stuff. I fired this guy. You still owe I money. Mean, I, no. <laughs> I mean, that was like two years ago in comic, like in real lifetime. Yeah, Surely they've sorted things out by now. They must have forgotten <laughs> about it. I mean, it seems likely. He's very busy um, superheroing, you know. <laughs> Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Valkyrie has received a letter from Empire State University, which is the college all uh, Marvel superheroes go to, with her new class schedule and an invitation to a midnight mixer on campus. Whoa. Which, like, I don't, man, the college I went to, I don't think it had one dance, but they happen constantly in fictional colleges. It's like high school in, 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 in fictional colleges. I mean, they're not, they got to do something because they're not going to class at all. <sighs> That is a true fact. <laughs> it's very true. But anyhow, back at uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum, Doctor Strange hoaxes Bruce Banner back up, and the two of them teleport to parts unknown, leaving Clea behind. Which is rough because, I mean, and Clea sort of complains about it here, but that's been a real bone of contention in recent Doctor Strange, in, in, in solo Strange stories, mm-hmm. leaving Clea behind. Unnecessarily so, could, so, might I add. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because she's supposed to be his, like, disciple and, like, an apprentice magician and stuff. How she's going to learn yeah. if she's just staying home, moping around, you know? Yeah, man, I would not stick. You know, Strange is a cool superhero, but I don't think he makes a very good boyfriend or teacher, for that matter. It's true. He's got two I mean, apprentices, and they just do dishes. I mean, well, okay, Wong isn't Doctor Strange's apprentice at this point. He's specifically a manservant. We learned last episode he's a manservant to make up for the wrongs of his ancestor, Khan the Mystic, or the monk or whatever. <laughs> I've, who, I know that. Who, who, who allowed an evil sorceress to come to power in a mirror dimension and to make up for it. He and his family are required to serve good, good sorcerers to um, atone for their crime. That's why Wong's dad, Hamir the Hermit, was the attendant of the Ancient One, and Wong is the attendant of Doctor Strange. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just let that slide. Okay. <laughs> I got I got facts now. I got, I, I got receipts. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for the explanation. Bide my time. There'll be a moment. Now, now Wong, you know, Wong's going to do better, I think. And we're going to see more about this relationship stuff, but pretty much after we get done with all the Defenders stuff in, like, November. The chickens will come home to roost in, in, like, late, in like, late October, early November, just in time for the movie. It's going to be excellent. I'm excited. <laughs> but so we cut two days later to Hellcat and Valkyrie uh, Hel- in, the, in a civilian garb. So I guess it's Hellcat actually being her civilian identity, Patsy Walker, uh, going to this mixer thing. Hooray! I just need to say, every dude at this mixer looks like a total goober. Oh yeah, like, it's all the uh, it's all the main guys. <laughs> yeah. So the guy with the big so at the dance, uh, Val and Patsy meet up with their child with their college chums, Dollar Bill and Ledge. Uh, Dollar Bill is the guy with the be- with the big beard and the sunglasses. Okay, looks like the Unabomber. And, I mean, he looks kind of like a swinging Unabomber. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Okay. And then the other guy, Ledge, is like this kind of skinny guy and like. A, a sweater who's constantly wagging his finger at everybody? No, that's no joke. There's, like, multiple panels. Every panel he's in, he's just, like, has an accusatory pose, and he looks like his jaw is, like, melting. 
Yeah. And so Ledge starts yelling at uh, the third guy, at the third goober looking guy at this party, uh, Professor Turk, who's a swinging, you know, one of those professors with the turtleneck and the goatee and so forth. Yeah. He doesn't teach a class so much as he like smokes drugs with the students and talks about like how big the universe is. He's definitely brought his own um, like like professorial pipe to this event. Yep. Um, and Ledge accuses uh, Professor Turk of of being lunatic, which, based on how they look in previous episodes and stuff, is super reasonable. <laughs> like when I read the comics that led up to this, to just sort of be familiar with the backstories and stuff. Like just looking at Turk doing stuff and looking at lunatic makes me like it's like. This guy's lunatic, right? <laughs> but anyhow, because Ledge yells at him, Turk leaves the party, and Val and Patsy follow him. But outside, under the full moon, which is when Lunatic usually appears, Lunatic appears. Oh, no. So Valkyrie sends Hellcat to uh, call Nighthawk so that Nighthawk can help them take this, take this no-good character down. And Valkyrie gives chase. He looks like one of the gang's that were like part of a Joker gang from Batman Beyond. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He's got like kind of a green jumpsuit and face paint and stuff. Yeah. He, he has heard about the Joker like from secondhand stories and he thinks it's cool and he's just kind of trying to, you know, fill in the gaps and do his own thing. Yeah, which is why also because he's heard of Joker, he makes constant pop culture references and tries to uh, tries to make jokes. Yeah. Oh, and they're real. They're real bad. Yeah. They're real bad jokes. Emphasis on the word tries. Yes. But so, yeah, so, so now there's some pretty fun kind of action sequences. Uh, Valkyrie, Nighthawk, and Hellcat all have big fights and eventually vanquish Lunatic. Thank but, like, they're all solo fights? So what's going on? <laughs> the heroes end up meeting at the quad, and it's revealed that there are three Lunatics, all of them beaten by each one of the heroes. Oh, my gosh, it's all three of the goobers. Yeah, they're in, uh, what, stereo, but there's three of them? Tridio? I don't know. <laughs> But so, yeah, so the heroes all dump the unconscious, unconscious lunatics in the middle of the quad, and everybody's real confused, and then a whole big crowd is formed around the heroes and the beaten villain, and finally Professor Turk shows up and admits he is lunatic. That, what? Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody's thinking. That's why we got to find the answer. Like, we thought, <laughs> we already thought it was you, bro, but then everything We got to find the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've got to find it in Defenders 71 from June 1979. Let's please do that. Also, this cover's awesome. Yeah, man. It's a bunch of, uh, it's like Hulk, Valkyrie, and Nighthawk fighting a bunch of dudes riding big bird monsters. It's like if pangolins had wings. Totally, they're yeah, they're like scaled. kind of scaled, scaled slash feathered birds. Yeah, that's kind of how I drew feathers back in the day when I was like really lazy. <laughs> No, man, that's a complicated way, because it's not just like a, a feather ripple here or there. It's like all the feathers. Yeah. That's like a, a bird you draw when you're in class and you don't want to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> like one of these superhero college classes? Exactly. So this one's called Stranger and Stranger in a Strange Land. Nice. Okay, so this is all like um, Iron Maiden references. I mean, it, that, that could be a reference to a lot of things, like the novel Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein. <laughs> Uh, U2 has a Stranger in a Strange Land song. Yeah. All that stuff. Okay. Any, it's, a, it's a reference anyhow. to everything at the same time. Yes, that's definitely true. And the cover title is A Danger in a Strange Land, which I appreciate also. <laughs> but uh, Ed Hannigan, court reporter, Herb Trimby, and Jay Abel 
uh, official artists, John Costanza, Court Scrivener, Ben Sean Colorguard, Alan Milgram, and Jim Shooter Bailiffs. <laughs> I always appreciate a uh, joke. Uh, I like this, credits. but I think that they just kind of like, they didn't stick the, the landing because you just have like, what are you guys going to be? What's your goofy name? We're, uh, we're artists. We, we're a part of a union. <laughs> well, there's like artists in like um, courtrooms and stuff, right? Isn't that like a stenographer or something like that? Stenographers like write stuff down. That's like the Scribner job. They have like the, the okay. uh, typewriters and stuff. I'm making typewriter motions with my hands like you can see them right now, Duncan. <laughs> oh, I do see them. <laughs> but so this issue is most is a lot of Professor Turk giving his backstory. That's what it looks explain- like. Everyone's just hanging out in a college class while yeah, like, three of the four lunatics are tied up. Yeah, like the evil lunatics, and then Turk, sort of, the professor, kind of gives his story. So, apparently, he was the god king of an alternate dimension named Arisen Turk. That's Turk, uh, T-Y-R-K. I regret asking immediately. (laughs) Yeah, so he was the god king of an alternate dimension when he was overthrown by a bunch of brigands led by a werewolf-type guy. Oh, my gosh. A risen Turk jumped into a dimensional portal, which ripped his mind and body apart. The version of him that would become Professor Turk arrived first, and seems to be the most sane. And as time went by, more and more copies of himself arrived on the Earth. Eventually, uh, three copies arrived. What? Turk, Turk tried to keep control of them, but on the full moon, they escape his apartment for murder. <laughs> Just lie to me. You know what? Just make up a lie and say, like, well, science accident I'll, or something. This I'll is insane. You, I'll, I'll tell you right now that hardcore Marvel heads know that he is lying to us. Whoa. And that a risen Turk wasn't a good god king that was overthrown, but in fact an evil tyrant overthrown by freedom fighters led by werewolf hero Manwolf. Hey, Duncan, Manwolf, he's a werewolf guy? Yeah, that's he, kind of like the literal translation Almost. Yeah. He, uh, he, he comes from Earth and then went to an alternate dimension. Guess who, uh, guess who he is, who the, uh, who the, who the human version of Man-Wolf is? Um, I would have to say it was probably Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Uh, close. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, John Jameson III, son of Daily Bugle owner J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. Like it's a small it's a small world in comics, you know. Oh, I get it's a small multiple like alternate parallel dimensions. It's at once a small world and a world full of multitudinous dimensions and insanity. Emphasis on the insanity. This is crazy. Yeah, this is insane. So, what is go- okay? Anyhow, so as the feds from the last issue start to make plans to indict Kyle Richmond. The defenders. Yeah, because I care about that with, boring plot. We're, yeah, we've man. Got time-traveling werewolves and like a bunch of like jesters. They time-traveling werewolves is just the backstory, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and it's insane, and I love it. So, so the defenders, along with Turk and the lunatics, go to the Sanctum Sanctorum to ask Clea to send them to the location of the rest of like the shards of lunatics. Uh, personality, this crazy dimension called Tunnel World, which will hopefully restore the lunatics to one body. All right? Yeah. So, Clea sort of hears the story and summons a uh, dimensional gateway, and man, it, like, opens real easy. This is, like, effortless. And also, Tunnel World looks awesome. Yeah, man. 
tunnel world is like I mean it's a it's a tunnel, yeah. I guess. Think of like the the Halo like ring world, but just like way longer. Yeah, with like the sun at at one end basically. Yeah. It's like if you were living inside one of those like long kaleidoscope things. Right, exactly. Yeah, I got it so, in one. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a perfect explanation. <laughs> I agree. So, they send Nighthawk out, out off to a scout around. He sort of meets two Wave two like travelers, but then they disappear, and so he continues going on. Eventually, finds a village full of town folk. Um, after a quick spell to get the team being able to like hear the word, like you know, to understand the language of the local uh, tunnel world folks, everyone's attacked by the king's air force, aka the Nilfim, aka oh my gosh, more pieces of of uh, the shattered Arisen Turk or lunatics. <laughs> which is real convenient. Yeah. It's basically a bunch of uh, dudes with spears riding golden fountains or falcons, I should say. And they come screeching down and it's a big, it's big fight time. It definitely uh, is. In the, uh, in the chaos of the battle, Turk who's not, or professor Turk has now gone full lunatic mode, frees his trio of doubles, takes Hellcat hostage and escapes. They ride off on horses as Valkyrie gives, uh, as Valkyrie is in hot pursuit on Aragorn and the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. As the battle with the Air Force rages on, two nearby, the two locals that we saw earlier that uh, disappeared right away um, reappear. And hey, it's Doctor Strange and the Hulk in disguise. All right. Of course it is. You know, it did kind of look like a wizard and like a monster. So I guess that's pretty like spot on. Yeah, but it's like it's like a blue gray monster instead of a green monster. I mean, that's not the a Hulk. green, formerly gray monster. And gray again when he becomes Mister Fixit or whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> Hulk. Uh, Hooks up and just kicks the crap out of the Air Force, just jumping from bird to bird. I think he suplexes a couple birds, he, like, actually. Ricochets. It's just like with one jump, he takes out like six birds. Yeah, he cleans house. Yeah. <laughs> and so, with the bad guys all beaten, Dr. Strange arrives on the scene and explains that he left with the Hulk to deal with a dark force that threatens all dimensions, everyone everywhere, and is centered in this universe. But before they can do that, it's time to recover Hellcat and Valkyrie and then take down this ultimate evil. And so we go to Defenders 72 from June 1979. Hopefully they will team up with a werewolf. Oh, man. (laughs) Nah, there's too much werewolf stuff. We had werewolf Doctor Strange last episode. I know, but I... We want to blow our wad werewolf-wise, you know what I mean? They just introduced werewolves in the craziest manner possible, and I'm just on board for more of it. Like, it's so fu- it, it's such a weird it's it, you know it's one of these things that I mean even like we get in this show where we just sort of talk frankly about the backstory of things that happen in the comic books. <laughs> yeah, and just like huh? I think that like this is like a really important message for all the children listening right now. Like you don't need to take drugs to be crazy. The craziness is inside you the entire time. I don't I don't want to say factually whether or not comic book writers in 1979 are or are not taking drugs, Duncan. I'm just compared to the issues where they definitely were like defo for it's, real. OK, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> this seems like the standard kind of like regular comic book insanity that we've come, okay. to come in love. That's fair. That's super fair. <laughs> so Defender 72 from June 1979 up from the sky. Ed Hannigan, writer, Herb Trimby, penciler, Fred Keita, inker, Michael Higgins, letterer, Elaine Heinel, colorist, Al, Alan Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, uh, 
pretty basic stuff, this issue. If a mystical land, if, if adventure in a mystical land is, is ever basic. I mean, um, we're just talking like Wizard of Oz kind of stuff where they go to different biomes. Yeah, kind of. One thing I'll mention is that uh, Clea has kind of a, a, a I feel like a, a, a Deborah Harry kind of haircut in these ones, and I don't like it very much. Like, I like <laughs> the, the crazy horn curls, you know what I mean? <laughs> but so, after securing the bodies of the Nilfim, who are more um, lunatics, basically, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange re- restores their bird mounts to perfect health, and the team rides them out to catch up to Valkyrie, Hellcat, and the fleeing lunatics. That's awesome. You got a new mount. Yeah. Hey, it's good, you know? It's very uh, World Warcrafty. you know what I mean? <laughs> now, now we can fly. Eventually, they do catch up, and Hulk jumps from a ver- from very high up to take them all down <laughs> in one big badoom strike. This is also where we learn that you know d- that Doctor Strange is here to fight this big bad guy whose very name has incredible power to the point where Doctor Strange magically silenced the lunatics so that they can't say the name. So the plan now is to take all the lunatics. Uh, fly out to meet uh, Zooks, the master of the mystic arts in uh, in Tunnel World. Sure. Uh, Zooks is spelled uh, X-H-O-O-X-H, or H-X. I had to consult with Facebook for ideas on how to pronounce it. <laughs> and we came back with Zooks. That's fine. Yeah. So we'll get Lunatic restored to their body, uh, then... Hopefully get teleported back to Earth with help from Zooks without having to fight uh, Voldemort or whoever this big bad guy is. Family Yelnats. <laughs> Anyhow, with all the Lunatics and Nilfrim and all those guys tied to the back of Aragorn, the party sets out. Hey, meanwhile, back on Earth, uh, Duncan. Yeah, because we got to make sure this issue is a little bit boring. The subplot you love. <laughs> the feds are trying to find Kyle Richmond to subpoena him. But he's, a, but he's currently pretty hard to find, well, with being in a different dimension and stuff. But if he doesn't turn up soon, they might freeze his assets. Oh, no! Uh, you know what? I can't even muster, like, a, an oh, no. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> so, meanwhile, the Defenders are flying around and fighting monsters through this big, through this big storm. It's a monster storm! You know, it, oh, first of all, it's a rad monster storm. Because there's like I mean, an actual obviously. giant like monster, but I, I think I figured it out. What's going on with this mm-hmm. boring story? Yeah, they are using that to make the exciting stuff seem even more exciting. It's like comedy <laughs> and like a tragedy, right? See a trampoline effect. Yeah, you gotta go down deep in that trampoline because like you go from a bunch of businessmen like literally boring me to death, and then you <laughs> transfer over to like these crazy like brilliant like phoenix fighting a space cloud golem like. I'm yeah, super down. Totally. Yeah, they they fight a bunch of stuff. They fight a, a big rock worm. Yeah. They fight some uh, electrical storm bees that Doctor Strange freezes. <laughs> they fight a sweet beholder monster. Like, there's just a big mouth with eye stalks. Yeah. And also, they gave him, like, just, like, little, like, really adorable eyes. He's not threatening <laughs> to me. He's just kind of cute. Yeah. But, well, that doesn't stop uh, Hulk from punching him into next week with a bow-woom. Yeah. There's really good Hulk sound effects in this issue, I gotta <laughs> what say. What Hulk doesn't know is that was a baby monster. He loves babies, so he would be oh, really no. upset if he were to find out the truth. <laughs> but so, eventually, the Defenders make it through the storm, and they find a safe place to land and make camp for the night. But as they do... From the bushes, a bunch of creepy eyes look at them from the shadows, as always happens. Those are a lot of eyes. 
It's either yeah, like well, a one-eyed, like one monster with mo- many eyes, or like a bunch of tiny things that are all cyclopses. You got it the first time. <laughs> As we go to Defenders seventy-three from July nineteen seventy-nine of Wizards, Shadows, and Kings. Ed Hannigan, writer. Herb Trimby, penciler. Mike Esposito, inker. Ben Sean, colorist. Clem Robbins, letterer. Alan Milgram and Jim Shooter, editor. Editors. All right. So, we're within spitting distance of the stronghold of Zooks, though to get there, the defenders have to fight through a horde of white-haired ibis. And, you know, they do. It goes pretty well. well these things are kind They're of just, cute. They yeah, look like they got, uh, furry volcanoes that can look at you. <laughs> yeah, they basically got white fur, two big arms, uh, three legs in sort of a tripod setup. They're covered in white hair, and they just kind of have eye, and they have big center mass that just kind of got eyes strewn all over the place. Yeah. So the defenders make it into the stronghold of Zooks, and they find him, and hey, like, Zooks is a white-haired eye beast, too. Wow, it's the punk. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> wearing a crown, he's even less intimidating. He's also got, like, this, I know it's, like, supposed to be, like, a, a belt or something, but it just looks like he's wearing, like, a copper diaper. Yeah, the other big thing, yeah, he's basically just one of these big eye beasts with the tripod legs and the big mound body. <laughs> And but a sweet um, matching orange and purple hat and belt ensemble. You know, I gotta say, based on the uh, origin of his speech bubbles, his mouth is like underneath his hat. Mm-hmm. It just kind of comes from his body someplace. <laughs> and the important thing, if you look at those bubbles, Tunkin, is that um, he speaks inside or inside out like Yoda. He speaks. Oh, I thought you were gonna mention that they're all sw- slightly squiggly, like an episode of Doctor Cats. Mm, nah, they're okay. <laughs> Mostly it's the inside-out talking. Yeah. He also says, uh, Aru a lot, like Nixon on Futurama. <laughs> but so, like, yeah, so the ultimate line is like, indeed, servants of the unnameable, they to be appear. Curious this is. Aru. Yeah, you know, I actually think that, um, that wasn't, that was like a reference to this character in Futurama. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think so, though. Yeah, probably not. That sounds I feel like... I feel like everything from this era of Doctor Strange is just forgotten by everybody else, you know? <laughs> How could you forget like, about the weird the, college the professor comics. that has traveled through the dimension because a werewolf punched him super hard, so he started yeah. a gang of himself. Like, the heavy. comics aren't... Yeah, but it's like, you know, the comics aren't re- reprinted anywhere. If you go on, like, uh, like marvel.wikia.com, which is, like, the big, like like, fan-made Marvel wiki, you know? There's no entry, or the entry for Lunatic has one, has one, has a one-sentence thing. <laughs> it doesn't even have, like, his powers or anything like that, or, like, a, a brief description of what he does and stuff. It's just, no one cares about this. <laughs> that's, that's why we got to talk about it. Conrad just read it. No one cares about this. Except we do, because this Except- is insane, and I love it. It's fun, man. Come on. I mean, uh, Zooks has a, has a, but not, has a, has a, has a, uh, what are those things? A spyglass with three eye things for the eyes scattered around his body. It just doesn't make sense. Like how that would, I mean, I guess that's like technology made for his own kind by his own kind. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, Zooks manages to reunite all the, all the lunatic pieces into one all powerful God King. Arisen Turk is back. And unfortunately the problem with making with rebuilding a guy who's an all-powerful god king is that suddenly he's an all-powerful god king. Oh, shucks. Yeah, he takes down the two sorcerers, Supreme. He punches out Hellcat, Nighthawk, even the Hulk. 
Eventually, only Valkyrie is left to fight him, and she manages to hold her own for a little while, eventually maneuvering him off the side of a mountain to fly through the rings of Ragador, which uh, Zooks and Doctor Strange have created beneath him. This knocks out uh, Arisen Turk to a more manageable position. I think he gets imprisoned or killed or whatever. It's not super clear, I think. <laughs> He's in detention. Basically. <laughs> so is this the last time we see this dude? So, basically, yeah, pretty much. All right. Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> uh, Back to Arisen, the, uh, to Arisen Turk and... Yeah, Storyline. Exactly. Arisen Turk and Lunatic have been defeated, and I guess the defenders are just kind of like, hey, uh, that unnamed, unknowable bad guy... Uh, Good luck with that. We'll see you later. we got to go back to Earth. <laughs> so uh, everybody basically instantly teleports back home. Uh, Doctor Strange heads out to do more work to figure out stuff about the unnamed. Nighthawk gets a phone call about the, about the subpoena and runs off to testify at the grand jury that's impaneled against him. And Hulk just kind of wanders off into the countryside to think about the nature of uh, friendship and stuff like that. Well, hitchhiking He's got- is some really sad music. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is the height of of a uh, of Hulk on TV. Actually, we'll start seeing things on the cover that say like uh, the Incredible Hulk, star of the hit TV show. Nice and stuff That's like that. Awesome. Yeah. But so he kind of sits on a rock and laments the eternal problem. He hates people, but he also hates to be alone. Man, I get uh, that Hulk. You know, seriously. Meanwhile, the uh, Lady Defenders, uh, Clea, Valkyrie, and Hellcat are just going to hang around the uh, writing academy and listen to old records. There you go. But meanwhile, Duncan, in the former apartment of Harry Turk, Dollar Bill and Ledge are nosing around Professor Turk's stuff, including his weird modern art collection. I hope the craziest superhero ever shows up to try and kill them. (laughs) And then they're accosted (laughs) by a masked man looking for Turk or Lunatic. In the name of purity, balance, and aesthetic perfection, his blot must be eradicated. So decrees the fool, the fool killer. It's kind of like, so, it's like, take the three musketeers, kind of like aesthetic, and then just get lazy with it. Well, yeah, he's he's got a full body jumpsuit. He's got a white gun belt and a white choker around his neck. Yep. And then, and, and, and like a cowl, like over his head. And then he's wearing a, a Three Musketeers hat with like a big sash and stuff. Yeah. It, and what are you going to do? I guess. And so that's how we end um, this issue. Also, I want to say that like this dude, Lunatic, has like a weird tree growing food in his room. He's got, yeah, he's got a bunch of crazy modern art stuff. There's a, uh, there's like a, a Campbell's soup can with a metal hand and like a, a mobile or like a one of those wind speed things in one panel. And then, yeah, in another panel, there's a tree that's growing, that seems to be growing like junk food, burgers and a slice of pie and a hot dog and like an ice cream cone yeah. or something. Like, He's got, got a stop sign stapled to the wall and the traffic light we see by the door. Yep. He's got a hip swinging pad. It's like the pad, like my two dads. It's got a bunch of crazy <laughs> stuff in it. It's almost like that's the house of a crazy person though. I mean, yeah, that's super valid. I mean, he, he split into four different parts, and three of those parts were named Lunatic, so yeah. it seems reasonable. I don't know. I think that, like, even with all that happening, I just think that, like, the most insane thing about him is his, like, interior decoration. <laughs> Definitely possible. <laughs> so we jump to Defenders 74 from August 1979. Fools Rush In. Story by Ed Hannigan. Pencils by Herb Trimby. Inks by Steve Mitchell. 
lettered by Irving Watanabe, colored by George Russos, edited by Alan Milgram, head honcho Jim Shooter. So, okay, the big thing to know about this fool killer guy is that he's from a comic called Omega the Unknown, a series canceled after 10 issues and written by Steve Gerber, the guy who wrote all those crazy Defender issues from a couple episodes ago with, like, the brain swapping and the bozos and the killer fawn and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, when Omega ended, Gerber promised to wrap up the plot lines of Omega in the uh, pages of the Defenders, but then he was let go by Marvel. So now a different creative team is handling it. Oh, that's kind of a bummer. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame. I just never have any confidence when, like, a new group takes over to try and, like, accurately fulfill someone's vision, no matter how insane this cowboy in a jumper is. I agree. I mean, I think it's been really, like, it's been really amazing that the same creative team has been working on all of these Defenders issues this time of uh, of Ed Hannigan and, and, and Herb Trimby, Trimpy, that... It makes things consistent and stuff and keeps it sort of close, you know, you, you, you maintain a vision to an extent. So having a, a whole new team come in is, is rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. So anyhow, we learned that Fool Killer is here to kill Lunatic because Lunatic is silly and, uh, One to talk. And, uh, and, and reckless and this offends Fool Killer's sensibilities. Fool Killer also kind of... Who can be silly and reckless. Yeah, he kind of walks around Turk's apartment, sort of knocking over all the modern art stuff and things like that. Yeah, this is this guy is a hypocrite. Yeah, so we then go to like a uh, extended flashback where we sort of learn about Fool Killer's like motivations and stuff. Where like he sees a guy getting mugged on the street, and he but instead of like stopping the mugger, he follows the money up to a local crime boss, and then he's going to kill the local crime boss, but instead he lets him live because the crime boss has like poetry in his soul or something i gotta say that one of the big problems i have with this origin story is fool killer's already in his superhero outfit like mm -hmm. he's out there he's just cruising the streets looking for a reason to be a superhero i guess i'm i'm like 90 percent sure that they explain how he gets it in the pages of omega the unknown i'm sorry i didn't get a chance to read it um for this podcast this guy's crazy i don't mind not knowing about how he got this yeah weird dumb he's stuff. super like the the fact is that he's nuts. That is an acknowledge. That is a definite fact. Yeah, it's definitely true. So to avoid getting killed, basically, Dollar Bill and Ledge convince Fool Killer to try to join the Defenders, and they all head out to Long Island. Why would you? Meanwhile, want this dude in the Defenders. I think they're just trying to stall him so that the Defenders <laughs> can punch him in the face, basically. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, literally, I guess. <laughs> Uh, the the gals are gossiping when Kyle Richmond show when Kyle Richmond and his and his lawyer shows up and it turns out that because of his financial trouble he's quitting both the Defenders and being Nighthawk yay I mean no, <laughs> I do kind of miss I wish he would be back in his like Nighthawk costume though because his fashion sense is atrocious he's got kind of a medium green sport coat and a yellow turtleneck yeah. And his head looks real, and like his head and face, like there's this one page, it's a huge close-up of him, and he looks way different than any other time Nighthawk's been depicted in the, in, in the series, I'm just saying. And his hair keeps changing color. It's true. I mean, it's settled down to red mostly, but blonde shows up every now and then. <laughs> so at the same time as uh, this happens, yeah, at the same time as this happens, Hulk is sort of wandering around the uh, writing academy, and stop some no-good kids trying to steal horses. 
and then eventually leaps off into the sunset to spend some time alone. Can I just say, then, thank goodness for video games. Like, back in the day, kids were just so bored that they were just, like, committing petty crimes and, like... Yeah, they're just like, let's steal some horses yeah. and, like, drop it in, the, in this widow's garden or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then, and then one dude's just like, no, they have this game called Pong, you gotta check it out. And now, you know... Peace is eternally throughout the streets. I mean, that's what the crime statistics say, I guess. Yeah. At the same time as all this, uh, Doctor Strange arrives in Atlantis to recruit Namor to fight the unnameable. Aw, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, again, aboard the uh, LIRR train, or LERT, I, I forgot to check and see how you pronounce it. So everybody in upstate New York who listens to this podcast, if any, are angry at me right now. <laughs> but It's just Amtrak. Yeah, aboard the commuter train, basically, that takes you from New York City to Long Island. Uh, Dollar Bill, Ledge, Fool Killer, and two minor characters from Omega the Unknown <laughs> try to tie up loose ends of that storyline. But the train comes to a screeching halt as the Hulk is sitting on the railroad tracks deep in thought. Uh, the, Hulk, uh, the, the train angers the Hulk, and Hulk starts wrecking shop. He picks up, like, the train engines, and he smacks it into boxcars, destroys the Rockville center train platform, and he rips train tracks out of the ground like a big rug. This is just symbolic of, like, the whole Fool Killer storyline. Like, guess what? No one cares. We would rather just watch the Hulk beat stuff up almost aimlessly. Especially because all the commuters here seeing the Hulk destroying the uh, train system are pretty happy about it and start applauding him. Which I don't understand. I mean, definitely it was a cool thing to watch, but, like, don't you guys have to go home or something like that? I wish I could do... I wish for years I could do that to the railroad. Yeah, me too. I've been putting up with lousy service and uncomfortable rides for ages. Go Hulk! No, I can't get to my job. Thank goodness. Hey, you can call in Hulk, man. It's a superhero reality. Yeah, that's true. This is the third time you called in Hulk this week. What do you want me to say? It's not my fault. <laughs> Look, watch the news. There's a smoking craters all over town. <laughs> he punched the ground and I just went, like, upended on the floor. And now my leg is broken. Mm-hmm. You know, unintended consequences. <laughs> so... The Hulk is like, what is going on with these people? And jumps away confused. <laughs> Eventually, though, back at the Writing Academy, the group arrives and everyone introduces themselves, like Fool Killer meets the rest of the Defenders and stuff, when Valkyrie explains that she doesn't use her magic sword to straight-up cut dudes in half, and instead uses the flat of the blade to knock them out and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Fool Killer's sensibilities are offended. He calls them all fools, and the fight is on. I cannot... Wait for them to fight Fool Killer. Yeah, well, get ready for it as we jump straight to Defenders 75 from September 1979. The cover's great. It's just Nighthawk standing in front of a burning house, shouting, uh, and don't come back! This is the end of the Defenders! And, like, Valkyrie, Hellcat, and Hulk just sort of walk off all sad. Can I just say real quick, when we were talking about how, you know... A, a new team taking over someone else's vision doesn't ever do a good job. I'm pretty sure the story of Fool Killer didn't end with him taking on a superhero team of the Hulk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll never find out. Yeah, but so we start with uh, Poetic Justice, Ed Hannigan writer, Herb Trimpey penciler, Mike Esposito inker, Irving Watanabe letterer, Carl Gifford, or Gafford colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. And you know, it actually might have involved fighting the, the, the Hulk, because uh, Gerber said it would be com concluded in the pages of the Defenders, and the Hulk is like a primary member of the Defenders, you know? I guess. 
I just feel like that this is almost but, just sort of like a, a Mad Libs story, and they just like jammed in Fool Killer there. I don't see that this has anything to do with his character. He just sort of like escalated <laughs> for no reason, and now there's a fight yeah. for fight's sake. Yeah, it could be. I mean, so yeah, so Fool Killer's gone super evil, and now he's trying to punish the defenders for being bad superheroes, essentially. Well, this guy is he, the like, biggest hypocrite. Take- I have such a problem with yeah. this dude. <laughs> he uh, he takes Dollar Bill hostage and then forces everybody to watch videos of uh, the team messing up, basically. Yeah. And uh, this is compounded by the resulting fight going really badly for the defenders, <laughs> with Fool Killer like really kicking their butt. Th- their butts, like he like shoots the walls and the ceiling collapses and the building and stuff. A uh, regular guy sidekick calls Kyle Richmond on his fancy rich guy car phone. And Richmond springs into action, switching into Nighthawk mode, as his y- lawyer yells at him not to do it, because the government has said, don't be Nighthawk yeah. anymore. Uh, it's rough, though, man, because Fool Killer's laser gun is destroying walls and setting fire and generally just blowing up the joint. So, meanwhile, meanwhile, yeah. Duncan, uh, the Hulk is jumping around, and he finds a beached whale. Heck? This is insane. And... He just kind of grabs the whale and well, he kind of talks the whale Hulk style, which is pretty yeah. funny. He just kind of yells at the whale for being on the beach. Like, what is this Hulk sees? Big fish, whale, huh? Why does whale stay on beach? Whale should be in water where he belongs. <laughs> and the whale's like, this and, is uh, not by choice. Yeah. So eventually the Hulk drags, Hulk drags the whale into the water and the Hulk and the whale swims off. And there's an asterisk. That says, like, if you want to help whales, too, write Greenpeace at this address. Wow. Yeah, there definitely is. Which is so weird. I've never seen anything like that. In, it's, just a, it's just a random public service announcement in the middle of this comic book about helping the whales. Yeah. Or like a fundraising advertisement, really. Not even a public service announcement, because it's not like people are going to be pulling whales back into the water. <laughs> they could financially. Okay, uh, but it's really just a stealth ad for Greenpeace, basically. You know what, I take it back. This is definitely the intended storyline for the Fool Killer. <laughs> so, anyhow, Fool Killer is beaten, but um, yeah. but the Writing Academy is on fire and essentially destroyed. I just want to say real fast, Valkyrie uh, punches Fool Killer in the face, and then as he's downed, she kicks him again in the face, and uh, she is my favorite character in this comic. Like... Yeah, she she punches him in the face, then she kicks him in the face, then she uh, picks him up over his he- over her head and gorilla presses him. Basically. Yeah, she just wrecks him, and I I've never been so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, uh, the fire department, the cops, the ambulance, the press are all converging on the Defenders Riding Academy <laughs> as Nighthawk arrives in the Nighthawk costume. He's just promised the feds he won't wear. Oh anymore. no. Nighthawk is ultra pissed, especially at, at at Valkyrie, who just today became the leader of the Defenders and has just ruined everything. Shut up, Nighthawk. Like, she earned it. Like the the whole base has been destroyed. Everybody's exposed, and it was just like one dude with a gun that did it. It wasn't even like a super a, a guy with superpowers. Nope, it was just some tacky guy with a laser. Yeah, with a, with a weird yep. hat. On live TV, Nighthawk disbands the team and uh, quits. Quits being a superhero forever and flies off. As he does, he can't so, do that. As he, yeah, he no, just he, did. I mean, he's uh, acting uh, tough. Uh, Nighthawk, you deserve to get a double punch in the face. 
<laughs> so after Nighthawk leaves, Hulk shows up and escalates everything <laughs> enormously. Yeah. Uh, smashes some cop cars and then jumps off again after he's told that there's no more Defenders. And he's like, I didn't, want, I didn't like the Defenders anyway. And like, you know, that's it. It's the end of the Defenders. Yep. Even though the rest of the some issue... random dude who wasn't part of the Defenders broke it up. Oh, you know what, Conrad? Bad news. I'm uh, I'm breaking up Iron Maiden. I know that I have nothing to do with that group, and I've never been part of it, but I'm just going to go on TV uh, and say that we're breaking up. I know. Jerk. I am a jerk. And then everyone's uh, going to just dip out. <laughs> so the rest of the issue is sort of setting up the start of the of wrapping up the rest of the Omega the Unknown um, comics, which we're going to skip. All right. Yeah, so we're a little more than halfway through the issues this week. What do you think so far, Duncan? Um, I'm in love. All right, I <laughs> I love the that there is an alternate dimension where J. Jonah Jameson's nephew or whatever is a teen wolf. Son. His son is a teen yeah. wolf who has overthrown a corrupt government organization so hard that he was kicked into being a college professor. And then, you know, as much as I hate... Um, what's that? Be? I already forgot his name. Fool Killer. Killer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How could I not remember Fool Killer? Uh, as much as mm-hmm. I dislike Fool Killer, it was really satisfying to see him get punched a bunch. So uh, I'm super <laughs> on board. Yeah. I thought the second half were not, I, man, Fool Killer. I was just like, all this stuff is from other comics that I haven't read. So it's just like weird. And I'm trying to piece together stuff. And it turned but out to be I not su- even necessary. Yeah. So I'm super ready to set up this big fight with the unnamed and stuff. Like I am, they spent a big part of the first issue setting it up and I'm ready for that fight. (laughs) And we're going to start getting to it after the break where we'll jump ahead a few issues to Defender 78. Break time. Welcome back. I'm Conrad, he's Duncan, and we are Stranger by the Dozen. When we left, the Defenders had broken up, but before that, they fought an interdimensional bad guy called the Unnamed in a dimensional called Tunnel World. They just kind of pieced out from there, though, instead of, like, taking down the big bad. So let's remedy that, shall we? (laughs) But first, let me mention what happened in the the, uh, last two issues of the Defenders. Of the defenders, mostly just wrapping up stuff from Omega the Unknown. It's apparently it was apparently handled pretty poorly, just based on um like the letters columns in, <laughs> in resulting issues. <laughs> That's how you. But know. it's not. Yeah, but it's not like in in the purview of our show. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Two big things though is one, Kyle Richmond has received a court injunction legally preventing him from being Nighthawk. If he, if, he, if he wears the Nighthawk costume, he will be arrested. And Yeah, tell that to uh, Spider-Man. I mean, the problem is that they know his secret identity and stuff, because 
as I've mentioned in previous episode, Kyle Kyle Richmond's real loose with his secret identity. That's true. He can just change his hair color again. Ooh, yeah. disappeared the crowd. <laughs> but the other big thing is that uh, Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, has uh, officially joined the unofficial team. Mostly, she though she's just kind of hanging out with uh, Valkyrie and Hellcat. I'm a I'm a big fan of the Wasp these days because she's prominently featured in this uh, Avengers Academy mobile app that has taken over my soul. It's terrible, but. <laughs> Let's move on to these comics. <laughs> uh, we go to Defenders 78 from December 1979. The return of the original Defenders. Ed Hannigan, writer. Herb Trimpey and Mike Esposito, artists. Clem Robbins, letterer. Alan Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter. Hi, muckamuck. What? Yeah. So for the rest of this episode, Duncan, we're going to be split between two different stories. Okay. Uh, the... The first is the big one with the original Defenders heading back to Tunnel World to take out the big bad, the unnamed, while the other story sees uh, all the female Defenders, plus Hank Pym, fight uh, crappy mutants. Okay. So, we open on a rainy night in New York City as the Hulk approaches the Sanctum Sanctorum. Hulk is wearing a trench coat, by the way. It's raining, man. He doesn't. He doesn't like to be wet, so he like probably grabbed a coat off some dude at a bus stop and started wearing it. Basically, That's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when the Hulk wears more clothes than just the purple pants. For yeah, sure. Also funny is uh, in the Sanctum Sanctorum, Namor is already there, and he's like sitting on an easy chair in his like speedo. Which, like, if I'm Doctor Strange, I'm going to put a towel down or something for him to sit on. <laughs> that's, just, that's a lot of exposed skin on your fine leather. You know what I mean? I mean, you could just magic that chair away in the ether. Uh, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> but so, Namor's agreed to the summons and will help out the unnamed. And uh, Hulk's helping out, too. And this is just a really... I love this scene in Marvel Comics. It happen, It's going to happen a couple times through the course of the show where the original Defenders, so like Doctor Strange, Namor, and the Hulk, are all in like the lobby of the, or in like, you know, the, the study of the Sanctum Sanctorum, getting ready to go on a mission, and Hulk and Namor basically just insult each other constantly. <laughs> and Doctor Strange tries, tries desperately to keep them from punching each other, with limited success. Doing all right. Yeah. In the end, he triumphs this time, and... Uh, the three guys and and the three heroes all put their hands in and do like the like you know yeah. uh, clear eyes warm hearts can't lose kind of thing go ducks go team <laughs> exactly and agree to prepare to uh, head to Tunnel World to take out the unnamed as Clea just kind of sits at a coffee shop like being annoyed that she's being left behind again yeah understandably so I get that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, Alex Richmond is in his uh, penthouse reflecting on the fact that he's been court-ordered to not be Nighthawk again anymore. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, just as he resolves himself, he gets a call from his research team that says the aggressive weapons package for the Nighthawk costume that he commissioned maybe like 15 issues ago has finally been completed. And he's like, oh, man. Isn't it? It's like a black fly in your Chardonnay. You know, it's super ironic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah, womp womp, Nighthawk. We go to uh, Las Vegas where we see the cleanup from the whole Omega the Unknown affair as uh, Hank Pym, Wasp's husband, wearing his yellow jacket uniform, which is 
romantic for him. You know, you want to be or for for but them. You know, it's 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 nice when you dress up in the costume that you wore when you pretended to be a superhero to for your husband to blackmail you into marrying him under false pretenses. I don't think that's what romantic means. I just I I can never let that go. Yeah. As you shouldn't. <laughs> that's something that people put down in comic books. How many people did that have to go through and they're like, "Yeah, that seems good. Let's do this." Hey, this it, is seems our superhero like, move. it seemed it seemed fine like 1968, I think is the answer. Uh, but <laughs> they're too busy like buying milk and eggs for a penny. Yeah, exactly. So, Yellow Jacket shows up in a Quinjet and uh, the lady, the lady defenders, and a few civilians pile aboard to go back home to home to New York. But along the way, the jet receives a distress signal, and the team springs into action. A bunch of uh, female terrorists, who I'm going to call Fem Force, because that's what it says on the wiki, and that seems to make sense to me. Okay. And mutants, who uh, observant Marvel fans will recognize as Mutant Force, which is the second version of, of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants that Ma- Magneto founded and then dipped out on immediately. Uh, it's got five members. Lifter, who's super strong. Burner, who shoots flames. Slither, who's some kind of snake dude. Uh, Shocker, who is a guy who has uh, crab claws for hands and feet that can electrocute people with them. That poor guy. And uh, Peeper who has giant eyes that sometimes shoot beams. Peeper is amazing. Peeper looks like a, a puppet that you would see in Pee-wee's Playhouse. He just got big eyes. His, his whole role in this entire storyline is just to have big eyes and then use them to see things and point them out. <laughs> so the defenders deploy onto the airbase, but first they drop the remaining civilians from the Omega the Unknown plotline, and those are uh, freelance photographer Amber Douglas, junior high school student Diane Wilkins, and biker-turned-nurse Ruth Hart at a nearby town. They're all ladies, but one's like a junior high school lady. Keep this in mind. It'll be important. Anyway. You say so. Yeah. So the defenders uh, managed to take out two members of Mutant Force and capture a bunch of the Fem Force members, but the remaining bad guys escape with the gold bars that the Air Force base housed? Sure. Okay. If they want to. Yeah, but they also managed to capture Yellow Jacket because Yellow Jacket is terrible. Also, don't they just like take off in like some super crazy? They like lift a brick of concrete and they fly yeah, so, away. Yeah, so Lifter, who's super strong at lifting things, yeah, just lifts a huge block of cement out of like the um, runway of this Air Force base, and then Burner uses his you know flame shooting abilities to basically be a jet, <laughs> essentially. Cool beans. And then Peepers yeah, is on the lookout. Yep, always. <laughs> so anyhow, um, while trying to find... So the Defenders are after the bad guys because Yellow Jacket's been kidnapped and they want to get that gold back and blah, blah, blah. Right. So while trying to find the bad guy base, the Defenders arrive at the town where they dropped off the, uh, the civilians and they meet with Amber Douglas who tells them they can find help in the fight against Mutant Force at the local police station. Valkyrie momentarily wonders... Uh, why Amber knew that the bad guys were called Mutant Force. She hadn't been at the fight. But it's too late. They've walked into a trap set, set by the bad guys. Oh, dip. Womp, womp. If only they didn't walk and think at the same time. <laughs> it's true. Uh, meanwhile, and this is kind of a funny thing because the issue ends with, like, the next time Chains of Love on the bottom of the uh, page. Mm-hmm. But then there's, like, two more pages of comic that are, like, the stinger for this issue. Yeah, it's a call out to the post credit scenes that everyone loves. Yeah, 30 years in the future. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, Doctor, it's Doctor Strange and the Hulk and uh, Namor 
back in their in their uh, in their disguises. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange is disguised as an older wizard, basically. Yeah, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, as a very Gandalfy wizard. Hulk is disguised as the Hulk, but again, he's dark blue. Yep. And Namor is like a falcon of some kind. Yeah, he's just a little owl guy. Yeah. So they go to a uh, nearby tavern, as you do, and again, as you do in these fantasy settings, they meet a mysterious hooded figure. The hooded figure reveals himself to be Eroica who, according to prophecy, will lead the team to defeat the unnamed. And yes, Arroyica is a dude with orange skin and gigantic wings growing out of his head. That doesn't fit in his head, like his hood, at all. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe he can fold his wings up. I don't know. Even then, it's like it's no, like a bigger even on the inside than the outside kind of deal. He's totally got like Transformers style subspace inside his cloak that allow him to carry <laughs> these gigantic wings that basically just come off of like like the bones of the wings come off his temple, yeah. and just like continue down to below his shoulders. Yeah, they, he's got these huge wings on his head. It's insane. <laughs> and so we go to Defenders seventy nine from January nineteen eighty. Chains of Love. Ed Hannigan writer, Herb Trimpey and Ed Hannigan pencilers, Mike Esposito inker, Clem Robbins letterer, Carl Gafford colorist, Al Milgram, and Jim Shooter editors. So we're still with the two different storylines this issue. Um, in Tunnel World, Doctor Strange, Hulk, and Namor basically pass out in a magic field <laughs> where Eroica beams exposition straight into their brains with dreams. That's good. He expl- That's the most yeah, efficient way to do it. Yeah, it's e- you know it, it, it it's easier. But he basically explains that his people, the dudes with the wing heads, were created by the evil wizard Y Titnedian. Y Titnedian? Yes. Sure. Why T I T N E D I O N? It's ridiculous. Yep. Who also, is a member on his head? Just going back to the hood thing. They're getting bigger yeah. in like every panel. Oh yeah, now they're like down to his knees. It's crazy. <laughs> But Whitehead is a member of a race of buzzard people, not unlike the Skeksis from Dark Crystal, basically. Nice. Yeah, although, that's, that's dead on. Yeah, although this comic does predate Dark Crystal by two years, so I'm just saying. Mm, no, I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. No, I'm not saying, I'm not implying anything. <laughs> Definitely not in the direction of Jim Hansen. I'm just saying that it's, it's people thinking alike. So Whitehead made this big citadel called Ogia. Or, or Ogio, that is the center of evil in Tunnel World, and he's the biggest servant of the unnamed out there. And for the record, these wing-headed guys can't fly, which is ironic, except there's one dude chosen in prophecy, presumably a Roika, who will be able to uh, fly eventually. I mean, I would hope, with, ex- with wings like that. Yeah. So with the exposition sort of sorted out, Roika then uses the dreams to learn more about the Defenders, and ends up uh, tripping some sort of magical thing that turns uh, Punny that, that that turns the Hulk back into a puny Bruce Banner. Though Puny's relative here because Bruce Banner's ripped to shreds, like he's incredibly muscular. <laughs> but meanwhile, back at the ambush at the at the uh, at the police station in a, in the Las Vegas area, uh, Hellcat and Wasp hold their own against the mutants and the female warrior and, and female terrorist ladies. But uh, Valkyrie's long-standing inability to fight women holds her back. Eventually, all three are captured, with Wasp being put in a jar. She's tiny, because she's Wasp. Yeah, no, I get it. 
the uh, three women are brought to the bad guy's hideout where all the all the uh, fem force ladies are basically doing like slave girl stuff for the mutants, like including like feeding Peeper's grapes as he kind of lies down on a couch kind of Peeper's thing. Peeper's just never looks okay. He's got these eyes, man. Uh, Valkyrie tries to escape, but as she does, we learn the identity of the uh, mastermind jerk behind all this. Mandrill. Is this the guy you hate? I hate Mandrill so much. Yeah, I can see that. Mandrill's a uh, an ape man in a leotard with uh, combat boots and a big red uh, cape. He's a, I mean, he's specifically a Mandrill uh, ape, yeah. you know. And his uh, superpower, besides just being some kind of ape man, is that he gives off pheromones that make women his irresistible slaves. Oh my gosh! Okay, you see? Yeah, <laughs> that's miserable. So, like, the next scene is him, like, a big close-up of his uh, mandrill face, uh, demanding to know if um, Valkyrie and Hellcat love him, and they say yes. Ugh. Like, it's all the uh, it's all the Purple Man stuff from Jessica Jones, but not even, like, charming David Tennant doing it, but instead some sort of mandrill dude. This is way worse. It's way worse. Luckily, um... Wasp is in an airtight jar, and so the man, the pheromones don't work on her. Thank goodness for that. Also, the pheromones we're not working on is a young Diane Wilkins, who's one of the Omega the Unknown characters, who's like uh, in junior high and hasn't gone through puberty yet, so the pheromones don't work on her either. And so she is able to escape with the Wasp in their in the Avengers Quinjet. Mm. The two of them radio to, to Nighthawk for help, and Nighthawk agrees, despite the court order telling him no more superheroics. <laughs> He's he so bad at that. Yeah. He readies his super suit and the new aggressive weapons package. Hooray! The big thing is that, and this might just be something that I'm not aware of at the moment with um, Hank Pym, with a, with a yellow jacket and a wasp, but they don't have to just call yellow ja- they don't have to just call Nighthawk for this. Like, yeah. Wasp, Wasp is, a long, is a founding Avengers member. She could call the Avengers for this if she wanted to. She, she could call anyone but the guy who decided to disband a group he's not a part of and then quit forever. And is currently ordered by the U.S. government to not be a superhero anymore. Yeah. Anyhow, learning that the two women have escaped, Mandrill readies his endgame and starts another assault on the nearby Air Force base. This time, it's the Fem Force, the Mutant Force, and the Lady Defenders, all on crazy open-top tank vehicles. It's extremely Road Warrior. Yeah, totally. With with Valkyrie standing on the lead tank, motioning with her sword, onward to victory! And so, we too move onward to Defenders 80 from February 1980. Once a Defender, Ed Hannigan writer, Herb Trimby penciler, Dan Green, inker, John Costanza, letters, Carl Gafford, colorist, Jim Shooter, and Alan Milgram, editors. Okay, so let's do the Earth stuff first, Duncan. Okay. So the new uh, aggressive weapons package gives Nighthawk a slightly different look, especially like the the yellow bird on his mask, Mm -hmm. which is now way bigger and super stylized. Yeah, I don't know. I think that this is, I think that he's got a very ridiculous cape. His, His cape also has become more... Even more like wing-like and flared, basically. He also has these like almost unnoticeable claws on his gloves now. Hmm. I don't know if those. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, the kind of Wolverine kind of claws. Yeah. Are almost like short like ones. A little tight version of Wolverine yeah. claws. Yeah. Baby. Sorry. Ba- baby Wolverine claws. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be clear. 
or like shredder claws maybe maybe yeah but anyhow he drops from a jet a ways out from the airbase and makes his way there with his new super jet pack meanwhile the assault on the base has begun Wasp joins a bunch of army guys and tanks in the fight against Fem Force and Mutant Force. I just want to say, there's a lot. real fast, yeah. for Nighthawk having uh, quit now, like, what, three or four times? He is now mm-hmm. unquitting so hard. He's got, like, a brand new super suit and all this stuff. Yeah. For someone who's supposed to be quitting, like, you're really doing a, a terrible well, job. He, he ordered this new suit, like, during, like, Xenogenesis, like, in the 50s or <laughs> something like that. It's finally done. Well, there you go. But but still, mostly, I agree. mostly I agree. If I'm a government inspector looking at the actions of Kyle Richmond, I'm hella suspicious. <laughs> but so, yeah, the assault is on. And there's a lot of good, like, uh, superheroes fighting tanks and stuff, which I always appreciate. Um, and Mandrill sort of looks on via a view screen as he taunts the captive Yellow Jacket. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the, eventually, the uh, good guys get boxed into a hangar which is surrounded by an electric field, thanks to the mutant shocker with his crab arms and stuff. <laughs> All seems lost when the powered-up Nighthawk shows up. He's got hand blasters and shoulder-mounted laser cannon that make um, him, that, according to him, make him second only to Iron Man in terms of the uh, magic, all-powerful suit department. Sure thing. Eventually, he... Uh, thinks to toss Hellcat and Valkyrie into the electric field created by Shocker, which snaps them out of Mandrill's spell. And uh, Valkyrie, not pleased at having been mind-controlled by a monkey man. Yeah, I'll say that much. You know, I'm not pleased that she was controlled by a monkey man either. Mm-hmm. So Tide turns immediately as um, Valkyrie and Hellcats are taking out the other bad guys. And we see Mandrill uh, make his escape as a uh, big, um, presumably in this big rocket that launches out of like the nearby town. <laughs> but uh, Nighthawk's able to catch up to the rocket and like rip it, rip its door open, and it turns out, oh no, it's just uh, it's just Yellow Jacket in there. Mandrill uses misdirection, and he's now on the run, whatever, planning his next his next big move. But for now, at least, the crisis is diverted. The uh, defenders head home, a job moderately well done. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Clea is just kind of chilling at the Sanctum Sanctorum, takes Aragorn out for a ride just for grins. And uh, we go finally to Tunnel World. Bruce Banner's getting an info dump from Eroica, and it seems as though when Eroica po- probed the Hulk's mind last issue, he... Uh, he autom- yeah, he automatically turned the Hulk back to Banner, and this seems to have been caused during a fight that happened in Defender 76, which we didn't cover, right. where the Hulk fought this crazy blob monster that basically looks like a, uh, a schmoo from classic comics. Yes, totally. Which may, well, basically did implant the name of the unnameable one into the Hulk's brain, which is a bummer. Clearly. I mean, now he's Bruce Banner. Yeah, although the Hulk doesn't know it, but it means that when like the good energy of Aroika's uh, mind probe hit the energy of the un- un- of the unnameable one, it uh, the two cr- uh, clashed, and so he switched back, and so he switched back to Banner. Mm. Yeah, but before we can figure that out fully, the Valley is suddenly under attack from the forces of Wytitnetian. Yeah, that's why I say it. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> um, so. Eroica takes an arrow to the shoulder, and Banner takes one to the knee, ironically, meme-wise, but it causes him to Hulk out. Hulk scatters the enemy easily, 
but it seems like this is all part of a ruse by Y. Titnetian so that he can eventually use the fragment of the unnameable one's name inside the hoax mind at a key place in time, most likely very soon. <laughs> Which takes us immediately to Defenders 81 from March 1980, War in Ogeon. So there's just a little bit of Earth stuff in this issue, which is that, um, hey, the FBI totally saw him uh, being Nighthawk, and now he's arrested. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, it's sad. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Sad is not the right word. Sad is like fool killer's costume. <laughs> so, War in Ogeon. Ed Hannigan script, Herb Trimby and Jack Abel art, Joe Rosen letters, Ben Sean Colors, Al Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So in Tunnel World, it's time for some traditional fantasy adventuring, basically, as the Defenders and Eroica commandeer a horse-drawn cart and then use it to ride into the evil city of Ogeon. This is like some straight D&D kind of stuff. It's total D&D stuff. They're shocked to find that, hey, this city ruled by an evil wizard is like a slum and real crappy. <laughs> but they're doubly shocked to see paraded through town. The wizard Zooks oh, no. from the first Tunnelwood story, yeah, is now the prisoner of Wide Titnetian and his big magic item, the orb of Om- Amanon, yeah, Anamanon, has been uh, <laughs> stolen as well. <laughs> so things are going fast as White as, as Nidian seems to be uh, uh, consolidating his power. So it's time for a bold plan, which is Aroika walks up to the palace guards and says like, oh, hey, I'm like one of the slaves that's supposed to be here. And these are my buddies. And can you let us through the, through the door, please? And the guards are like, no dice. Dang. So the team starts duking it out with these metal-faced palace guards as from a high tower... White Nidian looks on, gloating to Zooks that it's all going to plan. Uh, the team fights their way to a slave pen full of wing heads, and Aroika's fighting inspires them to revolt. As the slaves take up arms, White Nidian unleashes the Crusher, a huge silver tank. It's definitely like a space tank if I've ever seen one. It's weirdly out of place in this fantasy setting. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? And I wasn't. I wouldn't even have thought about that. But it, this is like an all like hypermetallic like, tank. Yeah, it's like a, a silver and white like full on tank in this place that's full of like animal people and carts and stuff. It's being driven by a raven. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> but uh, so Namor and the Hulk are definitely unimpressed by this tank, and they're about to start taking it down. <laughs> When the Hulk suddenly has a mental attack right in the brain, he's stunned and gets hit by a main, the main cannon of the tank. Uh, this pisses off Namor, and Namor jumps up and starts destroying the tank like crazy. But in the in the uh, in the confusion of like just all the tank parts flying off this thing, <laughs> as Namor destroys it, uh, Hulk's body is stolen by palace guards. And the next time we see him. The Hulk is uh, is basically crucified on uh, like a big asterisk, like a, a five pointed star, basically. Yeah, and not nails. He's just like chained to it. Yeah, that's that's that, that's a good distinction. Yeah, and he's being carried to White Titanidian. So as Namor and Doctor Strange basically um, declare victory on the streets of Ogion as their slave army uh, beats back 
the uh, occupying uh, guards and stuff, White Indian continues to gloat as he's going to use the name of the unnameable, now dormant in Hulk's head, to take control of the Hulk. And when the defenders come to stop him, they'll find the orb of um, Aminon shattered and Zook's dead. Oh, no. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Uh, we'll see. Go to <laughs> Defenders 82 from April 1980. Wizard Death. Oh, no. Ed Hannigan's oh script. Totally wrong. <laughs> John Costanza lettering. Glynis Wine colors. Al Milgram editor. Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. And welcoming Don Perlin layout and Joe Sinat finishes. So uh, Hulk's all tied up. Yep. He's possessed by Whitesitnidian as he's used the uh, unnameable's power to make him basically the captain of his royal guard, despite the best efforts of Zooks. There's some, like, crazy stuff going on in the background here. Like, there's literally, like, I don't uh, I'm assuming it's a monster, but it's just, like, 40 human arms, like, stacked on each other. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of, like, crazy monsters and aliens and stuff in all this in yeah. all these pictures. Which is great. That's, like, you know, why I sign up for, like, Stephen Strange comics, is to see crazy Totally. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Doctor Strange and the Submariner are, uh, are, and Eroica lead the winghead people to freedom. They smash through a bunch of tanks, and, but eventually the enemy proves too much for them, and they have to retreat into the sewers. We then get a really awesome view of the Hulk as a member of, uh, or as the new captain of the Nilfim Riders, the guys that ride those big um, <laughs> yellow birds and stuff. The Hulk's like in clothes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like and a stuff. full costume change. It's crazy, just in terms of what you expect from the goddamn Hulk, you know. And the fact that they had that costume in that size. I feel like if you have a, a, a sufficiently sized army of various species, you have all, you know, you, you at least have like one of those octuple XL cloaks, just in case some giant muscle dude needs to needs to a, a uniform, you know. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah, as this is happening. Doctor Strange's astral form infiltrates the um, e- the uh, White Titanidian's base. Eventually, meeting up with, with eventually seeing that the orb of Amanon has been destroyed and that uh, Zooks is in dire peril. He's, uh, Strange's astral form gets in a big wizard fight with White Titanidian and eventually escapes as the Hulk and his bird riders give chase, which is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> Like, Hulk uses his knowledge of Doctor Strange and is like, Follow Hulk, bird soldiers. Magician will lead us to his body. Then we can smash him. <laughs> Man, Hulk, so, Hulk needs to be put in, like, positions of power more. It's, you know, he has trouble doing it, but when he can, it uh, works out pretty well. He's got confidence. That's key. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, Namor and Eroica and the bird guys are tired of waiting in the sewers for Doctor Strange to come back to his body, and they've begun to infiltrate the castle through the sewers and up to the bottom of the um, castle and all that stuff. So eventually, Doctor Strange leads the Hulk on a merry chase, ending with um, Doctor Strange's spirit form flying over the broken orb of Amanon, which he then magically restores, trapping the Hulk inside. <laughs> At the same time, uh, White Titanidian's about to blast uh, Strange from behind, but uh, Namor punches him in the back, basically, <laughs> and knocks him out. It looks like he like is chopping a sword to his face. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah sorry. I, I think he hits him in the head with the with the back with the, like the flat of his sword. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean to me it looks like he cut off his beak, but then in the next panel that's still there. So 
Yeah, that's yeah, hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> but the fight against White Titnetian is 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 over, and this stage of the fight against the unnameable is done. But the true battle has not yet begun. Next week, the unnameable, not to mention Hellcat, Valkyrie, and Nighthawk. <laughs> so, what do you think of the episodes this week, Duncan? You know, I thought that they were really great. I thought that uh, when it went just fully crazy, I I loved that. That just speaks to me. Um, <laughs> and I also was a big fan of Fool Killer getting his clock cleaned. I thought that that was great too, <laughs> just because of how much I dislike that character. So to have mm-hmm. have him be introduced and then just wholly destroyed in, <laughs> in front of me was really satisfying. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and then, I mean, I love Two World. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. And all the crazy animals and monsters and stuff. It's just like, you know, your typical Stephen Strange story, and, and I think that's what separates it from, like, all the other comic book superheroes where they're just fighting bad guys. Yeah, it's funny to see all these, like, fantasy tropes in the superhero comic, for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, it would, but, it would only work in in one that's like as ridiculous as like Stephen Strange, Namor, yeah. the Hulk, like pairing up right. with <laughs> a, the weirdest angel bird guy you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. The the images for this issue are really weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but like man, like I, I I like the art a lot too, just in terms of like being like real, like having all these monsters and like tunnel worlds, very neat and stuff. Yeah, no, it definitely feels but, like it's just like torn from the pages of like D and D first edition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but man, the plot lines are really confusing. Like I'm really uh, yeah. I really struggled this week to keep track of what was happening and why it was happening and how all this stuff worked. I mean, the best thing to do is not really ask too many questions and then just go to the flow like, yeah, sure. I guess there's like six of you and you were overthrown by the werewolf, you know. A man wolf, man. Man wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So yeah. If you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen, on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, that's strangerbythe12, and on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from the issues covered this week, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other fine podcatching app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review for the show on any platform, I will read it on the show. Duncan remains a man of mystery and keeps his own ca- counsel. <laughs> yeah, but, I've deleted all of my uh, existences off of the internet. Exactly. But look for both of us on the new Lucha Underground recap show, Atomic Heel Turn, on a podcast network near you. I won't delete that one, I promise. Yeah, come on, buddy. <laughs> Build the brand. Yeah. Tune in next week as the unnameable one meets his deadliest foe, Surgery. Oh my god. Atlantis and uh, and Wakanda will clash as the man and the Mandrill returns. Is this like um like some sort of like judge jury executioner slash knight, sir jury? Mm, no. Okay. No, it's not Sir Jury. Get out of here, buddy. Okay. I will do that. <laughs> I've got more stuff to delete on the internet. Yeah, then we'll go to a couple fun Doctor Strange guest appearances as he teams up to teams up with Spider-Man to fight Doctor Doom and Dormammu. Oh wow. And then literally leads the X-Men to hell and back. We'll see how uh, Doctor Strange handles the mortal press and then follow him through a series of anthology aven- adventures including facing off with a foe from the old days of the comic. Finally, 
will begin the next big Defenders arc as eternity itself begins to unravel. Until then, faithful listener, I say, the Citadel, all shell and spike, pain and fire, built by slaves, is named Ogion, the Niflum Hole, the Sword and Pike, the Fort of Dire. Vulture-headed wide Titnedion, races enslaved, are spurts, Zuxi, and winged ones denied a nest, created for shame. The free are called Naya, spirits of mind never tied to the creature they dare not name. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Duncan, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path. Remember, David's better than Peepers. I'm not going to put that in there. <laughs>